I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. victory versus the Ravens. We will talk about that and more with one of your favorites of mine. You, you know him. You see his content on social media. Ryan Holmes, good morning. How are you, my man? I'm doing good. Good to be back from Las Vegas. Uh, being live in that stadium is, is amazing. I'm glad the Raiders have a place to go home now. What is that feeling like? What's that sta- what is that stadium like to you? Like, What is the environment like? That was interesting. I went in there and you hear the media and everyone saying the Raiders won't have a home field advantage because, you know, Vegas is a destination city and all that. I'd say it was probably 80, 80% Raider fan, 20% Baltimore, but, you know, it was, it was a clear vibe. You could tell um, a lot of people from L.A. came up, a lot of people from Oakland and the Bay Area. There was that new Vegas fan vibe where sometimes the crowd was making noise when the Raiders had the ball and you could clearly see Derek Carr telling to be quiet. That wasn't Raven fans at the stadium. That was Vegas fans that just didn't really know or understand football much, but they'll learn. Uh, there was a hype man. There was a DJ. There was ice cube and too short at halftime. It was amazing. Um, and then to, to win it the way they did at the end of the game, just, just cap it off. It's an experience I'll never forget. I mean, they had Steve Aoki who was like, probably the most famous DJ in the world. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't charge. I mean, he charges at the 75 grand is the lower end of his price range. That's the lower end. Just, just to have him like ponder playing at your party, that 75 grand for the minimum. So they probably paid this man six figures to come in and get the crowd moving. Now, we're going to jump into this game before we jump into the Steelers game. What was your overarching thought about the Gus Bradley 
defensive adjustments and what did you like? Well, it was pretty obvious, you know, breaking down the, the all 22, they basically played the same defense 95% of the time. They stayed in basic cover three. They didn't move people around. Um, the defenders knew their assignments on every snap. There was, it was, it was a different vibe watching it on tape and being there live. There wasn't blown assignments. There wasn't missed coverages. There was some miscommunication on a couple of plays, maybe two or three plays, or maybe the curl flat defender didn't uh, communicate with the outer third defender, and they both doubled the guy and left someone open in the flat. But overall, I thought, you know, the defense played about as well as you could against Lamar Jackson and, and the myriad of different running game options they can bring at you. They held Lamar Jackson pretty much in check as you can. I mean, they got him on the ground three times, which is hard to do. He, he broke away and made some runs, but he's going to do that. He's a great athlete. They didn't really let him beat him with the pass other than the, the one time they caught Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, who had to carry three vertical. He was on Sammy Watkins. It was pretty good coverage for, for a middle linebacker. Jackson just made a great throw. But I thought all in all, I was very pleased, especially going back and watching it, how well the defense had played and just guys looked comfortable. But to be honest, they weren't really challenged. The corners weren't really challenged by Lamar Jackson. It's going to be a different story going up against Ben Roethlisberger this upcoming week. No. You saw Max Crosby's pretty much national because we all knew what, what Max brings to the table. But what do you think was Max's best moment in this game? I thought it was from the beginning to the end. I was most impressed in overtime uh, when Lamar Jackson ran that bootleg and you saw Max Crosby flatten out and run with Lamar Jackson and force him to throw that ball away on the edge. I was amazed. I was like, Lamar Jackson runs like a four-two-forty, and here's Max Crosby running stride for stride with him to make him get rid of the ball. But overall, I was at the Rams scrimmage. He did that to the Rams uh, on that Wednesday scrimmage and just completely dominated that practice. So I knew it was a potential possibility. But just to see the different moves that he had, Clearly, he wasn't healthy last year, which we found out after the season. He had a broken hand and he needed shoulder surgery. But if he can stay healthy with his motor and his length and athleticism and just the way he uses his hands to defeat um, the right tackles, that was Villanueva he was going up against. That's a savvy veteran, uh, military vet. That's a strong guy. and He basically embarrassed him all night. But um, just to see the strength that he's added to his frame. He looks leaner, but he looks stronger. He held up in the run game pretty well and was able to lock out and hold those linemen up and then make tackles. Um, so if he can play the run in the pass as well for the season that he did today, he's going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, he he came out of nowhere and had a lights-out game on Monday night. Now we got to talk about the Raiders' offensive line, where we got to look at some of the parts. You have Denzel Good is now out for the season. Who should step in, and should they be scouring the – a way to rise for interior line depth. Yeah, they should be. If they can find a guy, they brought in Jordan Simmons, who was with the Raiders from uh, out of USC. He was with the Raiders, I think, in 2017 or 2018 on the practice squad. They brought him in from Seattle to add some depth. Um, but he's more of a big power guy. The problem they're getting to is they wanted to run a lot more outside zone this year, and with the guys that have gone down, now you're looking at the big mauler types on the inside, and they're going to have to go back to more to what we saw last year, running the inside zone. Um, but they need an incognito back, and they need to stay healthy. I think they can get by with incognito and Simpson, um, but if they get another injury or if incognito can't go this week, which is up in the air, 
the probably a luminaire. I, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, the guy they brought over from who was with the Patriots last year, he, he actually held up fine for a guy that had been with the team for a week and a half. Um, he looked he looked comfortable there. There was some miscommunication. Clearly, Andre James on the inside is playing with a young guy uh, to his left and John Simpson, and then a guy who's been on the team for a week. That wasn't the plan. Obviously, the plan was incognito and good, uh, and that went by the wayside. But uh, this team's already down two starters uh, on the offensive line, on a line that already didn't have a lot of depth. And, and you're also playing a rookie and Andre James uh, around that. So it's, it's going to be imperative that they shore it up. I, I thought they got better as the game went on in pass protection. That's a tough defense with Baltimore with all the different fronts and different blitzes that they were bringing. Um, but it doesn't get any easier because they got the Dolphins and Steelers uh, coming up the next two weeks. They're going to show pretty much the same stuff that Baltimore did. Now, one of the things that we look at is Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood, how do you think he performed, and what do you see from him when he's probably going to be have lined up against T.J. Watt on the outside for the Steelers? Yeah, Leatherwood in the run game was fine. Uh, when they ran to his side, he got some movement, created some lanes. It, it's more in pass protection, which is what we knew. Uh, when he came out of the draft, he's making the transition from the left side to the right side. Um, the big sack he gave up to Justin Houston, you can just see he stopped his feet. Uh, he made contact, and Houston, savvy veteran, went right around him. Uh, when he got his hands on guys and kept his feet moving, he was fine. Um, I thought he held up fairly well in pass protection other than the sack he gave up. The penalties, um, he had a hold late there in the fourth quarter. He just can't do that uh, in the red zone. And then, obviously, the false start at the one-yard line in overtime, just you know, cleaning up those pre-snap penalties. And penalties were a problem. He had... I want to say he was one of the top two or three penalized linemen in college football the last couple of years. I think during the broadcast, he said he had 17 penalties the last two years. Um, that can't continue. But overall, I, I thought he was fine. He held up about as well as you could for a rookie who hasn't played much. But T.J. Watt's coming up next. And, and you saw late in the game, Gruden made the adjustment where – and it, it, at the stadium, it kind of surprised me. You saw Edwards and Ruggs come off the field a lot in the second half and then overtime, and they brought in Zay Jones and Moreau. And you're like, hey, they're in they're in a two minute drill. Why do they have Waller and Moreau on the field together? Well, it's because they're putting Moreau next to Ingold, or I'm sorry, Moreau next to Leatherwood, and helping him a lot there down the stretch. So, Gruden does have a way to help. Clearly, Kenyon Drake's pass rotation was no one's going to talk about it. But if he doesn't pick up a lot of those blitzes, the Raiders don't win that game. Kenyon Drake was amazing when it came to pass protection. It seemed, though, for that one week that people forgot about the price tag on Kenny Drake's two-year deal. And like you said, he even a pass protection, a five catch of 59 yards, it just he's there. And people could tough, people could see that Josh Jacobs was injured. But Drake came through. When we come back from break, I want to talk more about the Pittsburgh defense, the Raiders offense, and pretty much give you like a position-by-position position kind of breakdown of what do you anticipate happening? That's after a break. You're listening to Full Press Radio's podcast on the FPC Radio Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with Full Crest podcast. Terrence Biggs, Ryan Holmes. Ryan, when you look at the Pittsburgh defense, you have Keith Butler, where you would think that he would be the most direct line to Dick LeBeau, considering that Butler was there and has been there since, what, 2003. But he does, his scheme is 3-4 based, but it seems like it's a little different, where he goes a little more man. Do you see with the uncertain nature of the Raiders' line that the Pittsburgh front, front seven can pose tremendous problems? Oh, no doubt. I watched that Steelers-Bills game, and the Steelers' defense was – they got to Josh Allen the whole game, and they gave that offensive line to Buffalo, who's a good offensive line, a ton of fits. I think this is where the game's going to come down to. And if I was Pittsburgh, I'm lining up uh, Cam Hayward right over – on passing downs, right over Andre James. Um, Andre James had a tough time when Calais Campbell or Brandon Williams or anyone, for the most part, was lined up head up on him. Um, and he just didn't have the strength to hold up inside in the run game. And then he, he was exposed a little bit with the main gap blitzes in uh, pass protection. So I think the game plan is going to be the same. If I'm Pittsburgh, I'm bringing those Mike, uh, those green dog blitzes up the middle. I'm, I'm challenging those guards, especially if it's Simpson, James, and Luminaire. I'm bringing everything of those two guys and just trying to confuse them. Uh, T.J. Watt coming off the edge is tough. Uh, Highsmith had a good game. Against Buffalo on the other side, they have Melvin Ingram in there too, uh, Stephon Tuitt. Um, they got some big guys on the inside. They're going to be tough to move in the run game. Uh, I think you're going to see a similar game plan from the Raiders that you saw in the second half against Baltimore, which is spread them out five wide, um, try to get a numbers advantage, and then work the middle of the field. Uh, and like you mentioned, they do like to play a little bit more man in Pittsburgh. And, and the 
the soft spot of their defense is you can get slot receivers on linebackers, and I think you're going to see a lot of guys underneath. You're going to see Hunter Renfro eat in the slot. You might see Kenyon Drake line up in the slot, and they're going to try to take advantage of when Pittsburgh is going to try to put linebackers on those guys. And if they can, figure out a way to get Waller matched up with linebackers uh, in there because I don't think that they're going to have a ton of success outside. I don't. You're not going to work the ball down the field with Fitzpatrick there. Um, I would target the linebackers, and, and clearly the, the soft spot of that defense is Edmonds on the back end at safety. I can figure out how to get the right matchups with him. But you're not going to have a ton of time to throw the ball either. No, because if I look at the four linebackers, you got Watt and Highsmith on the outside with Melvin Ingram as coming in. Then you got Devin Bush and Joe Schobert. That's a pretty good four or five, including Ingram. That oof. And I worry about how Pittsburgh will, will they can see the rookies and, and they can see, like you said, you mentioned the James's difficulties. And you mentioned Ed, Edmonds, who is probably not the good Edmonds brother, but he's he's what he's a weak link in that defense. Mika Fitzpatrick is probably regarded as one of the best safeties in the league. How would you attack him if you're Derek Carr and John Gruden? How would I attack Minka Fitzpatrick? Mm-hmm. I'd avoid him if I could, but um, if I, I had to go against him, I'd try to beat him vertically, a deep of speed. He has such good instincts coming down into the box, uh, getting crossers when he's a robber or a rat hole defender. Um, I wouldn't challenge him in the middle of the field. I, I'd try to work outside and then see if I can get some vertical uh, routes against him uh, with rugs, hopefully. Uh, I think Zay Jones, he played a lot. He's going to factor into this offense a little more than we thought going into the season. And, you know, Carr has a ton of trust in him. Um, and you could see when he was out there in the game running routes, especially live in the stadium, like just he's going 100% the whole time. And, and the speed that, that he has, he's not a burner, um, but he can challenge some guys vertically and just try to get some guys to run those routes that aren't Henry Ruggs. So you can use Ruggs more on the underneath stuff, the crossing routes. Um, I'd like to see them use him a lot more on curl routes and you know, challenge vertically with your stem and then cut it back. They did that in the fourth quarter once. Uh, he ran that route like four or five times and was wide open every time. The call just went to the other side of the field. But um, they got to get Ruggs more involved, and I think Zay Jones is going to get more involved here too. And I, I didn't understand the love affair with having Ingold spread out wide on a ton of different formations. Like, you're basically just trying to hold defenders' corners with him out there, but you're not really running any routes or challenging any defensive schemes by doing that. Um, so I don't think you're going to see as much Ingold this week. Uh, I'd use Zay Jones more to, to do what they had Ingold do. Now, I look at Pittsburgh on offense, and except even though the Raiders did give up 27 points, well, why does it seem like they just – it was a fun defense to watch. It seemed like it just it felt different. It just it felt fresh, like there was more of an energy to it. You were in the crowd. Did that kind of yeah. – is is that the way it felt there, or was it just, you know, the fact that it's not Paul Gunther? No, it, it felt good to see when they got into third and seven, third and ten, they were able to get off the field. I think Baltimore only – what did they convert? Three out of 12 third downs? It wasn't a ton. Just being able to get off the field, and that place gets really loud. Like it, I watched the the TV broadcast when I got home on Tuesday. It was that didn't do it justice. That was probably the loudest stadium environment I've ever been in. I, I was surprised Baltimore didn't have more false starts. 
um, just, you know, how loud the crowd got. But, you know, the defense, they, they knew what they were supposed to do. Like I said, they basically ran the same defense 95% of the time. Everyone knew what the responsibilities were. You didn't see guys blowing coverages. There wasn't guys running free in the secondary. Um, you didn't see Reggie Nelson out there running around blowing stuff like, like we've seen in the past. You just didn't see that miscommunication on the back end. Now, as I mentioned, a lot of that's because Lamar Jackson's not going to throw those routes. Um, he's looking to escape. He's looking to throw the ball underneath. Clearly, they were trying to target the tight ends and the running backs, not as much as the wide receivers. Um, but we'll, it's, it's a much bigger test this week uh, when you have to go up against Pittsburgh, who's basically going to run two personnel groupings. They're going to run 21 personnel and 11 personnel. They do it 90% of the time. So the Raiders are going to have to get in that nickel defense, and those cornerbacks are going to get challenged this week with Chase Claypool, um, Johnson, and then Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, if you look at Ben Roethlisberger, in the last few years he's played 16 games, and his yards his yards per attempt, I I look at that as the kind of the a metric where he's hovering in that six range, and to me that's I mean I know that they have so many talented wide receivers. Do you think that they will? Look at the Raiders' corner. Do you think he look at the uh, Raiders' cornerback going to test them more? Because they they played a Bills team with the elite corner. Do you think that Pittsburgh will want to go vertical a little more often? No, I, I don't think they do. I think Ben Roethlisberger wants to get rid of the ball as fast as he can, two two and a half seconds, get the ball out and let those guys create. Their offensive line is not any good. Uh, like I said, they won that Buffalo game. They were down ten nothing at halftime. Um, it was a turnover here. It was a block punt for a touchdown. Um, don't let the score mislead you. Pittsburgh's offense didn't play very well. They couldn't run the ball. Um, they had a couple of shot plays to chase Claypool. When he wants to throw it down the field, that's what he's going to throw it to. Um, but I do think they will get challenged because if the Raiders, if Ngakwe doesn't play and they can slide the line and double Crosby, uh, someone else is going to have to step up, whether that's Farrell or Nassib this week. But if Roethlisberger does get time, uh, he will challenge these guys deep. That, that's still my one holdup on the Raiders' defense is I, I don't know how well those two corners and Haywood and Mullen are going are to stand up week after week against elite receivers when, when quarterbacks do try to challenge them vertically. Um, so we'll see. This this will be a good test. Uh, I expect it to be low scoring. Um, the Raiders can't turn the ball over. They have to go on the road and play a, pretty much a perfect game on a short week with a bunch of injuries. Um, but based on the first half of the game last week, it, it is doable that they can go on the road and win this game. Now, when we look at this past Monday night's game and looking forward to the Sunday's game, one of the bright spots, it was Brian Edwards. Like, he he exists. He's real. And and he in down the stretch, he played well. Do you think someone of his size will be able to give Pittsburgh fits because of the length and the ability to – um, to muscle cornerbacks. I do, and that, that's how he's going to have to win. It's how he won in college. He's not a speedster. He's not going to blow past guys. You know, you hear a lot of people on social media and stuff saying, well, he's not creating separation. Well, that's not how he wins. He wins with a big body and his ability to adjust and win contested catches. So, you know, Carr gave him some chances there late in the game, and he came through, and, and he's the kind of guy that, Carr's going to have to give him those 50-50 balls, like the ball down the sideline in overtime. Or, you know, trust him to win inside. I think you're going to see him a lot. He's not going to win outside. He's going to win in breaking routes, you know, in routes, shallow crosses, dig routes, which is what he won on. Uh, he had a couple of catches off dig routes. That's where he's going to win. 
uh, curl, stuff like that where his body can shield the defender. And the Raiders are going to have to call those plays and make him a uh, primary option. Uh, he held up really well in the run game. I thought his run blocking was good. And then when, when the ball did come his way, he made plays. So he's a guy they're going to have to count on because they need that in this offense. If they're going to continue to use rugs, and they did it again, running basically clear outs and verticals and alert routes and not letting him work underneath like he did in college, then they don't. They need a big body possession receiver other than Waller in this offense, and it's going to have to be Edwards. Now, if you had to predict the game, how do you see it going? Who wins and why? Well, this is a tough one because the fan of me saying, yeah, the Raiders can go on their own, they can win this game at 10 a.m. on, on – a short week with all the injuries. I, I just think the Pittsburgh defense is too good. Um, I, I don't know if Ngakwe is going to play, which I think is going to affect the Raiders' defense. I, I think it's low scoring. I think the offensive line is going to struggle picking up the blitzes and just handling T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward. I don't know if they're going to run the ball very well. We don't know what's really going on with Jacobs. Um, is it turf toe? Does he have an ankle injury? Is on top of that? Like, he's already hurt. So I'm going to say the Raiders are going to go on and probably lose this one. It'll be low scoring, you know, 23-17, 20-17, something like that. I think they'll give them a game. They'll keep it close. But, you know, an overtime game against a pit's, uh, physical Baltimore team and then, and then having to go across the country for a 10 a.m. game, this is going to be tough. This is going to test the leadership uh, of this team in adversity. But uh, if they can give them a game and – if they can go two and one out of these first three, if they can come home and rebound against Miami, they're still in a really good spot. How can people interact with you on social media, and what do you what are you going to work on for, uh, before the game on Sunday? Yeah, they can reach me on, on Twitter. The handle's at r h o l m twenty two. It's r home twenty two. Uh, I've got all the the all twenty two breakdown from this past game against Baltimore up. You guys can see some of the plays, some of the designs, some of the different things Gus Bradley did. Uh, when he did dial up a couple of blitzes. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'm doing a couple of different podcasts this week. Um, they can hear me break down the game. And then on Sunday, uh, I'll be hosting a live chat uh, with a new sports app called Rave on Sports. So I'll do, be doing a, a live chat during the game. You download the app. It's Rave on Sports. Um, and I'll be, going, uh, I'll be doing the chat along with a, a host from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So kind of a little battle back and forth. Uh, hopefully the Raiders can keep it close so I don't have to hear a lot of Steeler fans coming at me. But you guys can jump on there and ask any questions as well. It's kind of an open chat for them. Um, but other than that, you know, just trying to recover from from this past Monday. And I'm already thinking ahead. Like, I'm going to the Chargers game on Monday night in L.A. and turning around that same Sunday and doing the Bears game. So I'm like, I, I don't know if my voice can handle two games in six days. We'll see. Our guy is out there expending his media empire and actually – putting a bunch of new mileage on the car. Ryan Holmes, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Full Press Raiders Podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. This has been an episode of the Full Press Raiders Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.